Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of I Communicate, the Mindset Go Radio Show. I got to start out today. You know, so glad to have you here with us on another Thursday. And, you know, I got to start out with a really challenging question to start the show today. I want you to think back when you were in high school, and I want you to identify what group you fit into. Were you a bully? Were you a freak? Were you a geek? Were you a jock? What was your what was your what was your group, right? Because let's face it, you have to be in a group, right? Because we have to be labeled somehow. It's just easier. It's just easier to identify someone's characteristics and just label them a certain certain way or stigmatize them a certain way. I mean, we, we forget the forget the geek freak jock bully thought process. How about how about grades? Right? Because if you get good grades, you're smart. And if you don't, you're stupid, right? I mean, it's easy. It's easy. You can't be smart if you don't get good grades. So I've been doing so much thinking in the last week about this, what feels now for most of us like a permanent state of unrest in our country. You know, as if COVID wasn't bad enough. And then we have this horrible incident with George Floyd and you know, now we have the, the protests and, and the riots and the looting and all these additional things going on and the violence. And, um, you know, we're so influenced by news. We're influenced by social media. And I am seeing people so polarized. Like you have to take a side, right? If you don't take a specific side, you're lost. So like I see on social media, people bashing policemen and, you know, all these things about policemen and and apparently that means all policemen must be bad, right? Because if we see a few policemen that are bad, then apparently all policemen are bad. And then we look at the protesters and we see the we see same situation. Some protesters behave poorly, but not all of them. But we just need to jump on a side and say policemen are bad, protesters are bad, and it just seems to make everything feel all better. And what we're going to talk about today is why do we do that? Like, why do we need to put a label on things? Why do we need to call someone a bully? Why do we need to call police bad? Why do we need to call protesters bad? And I've got a very interesting follow-up rhetorical question. And Ted, this question is for you, my friend. Okay, it's, bring it on. It's for our listening audience, and it's for you. All right. The question is... You're watching a protest on TV. It's a peaceful protest. Right. And then one person in that protest all of a sudden, you know, throws a brick, you know, does something we'll call violent, a violent behavior of someone. Behaves violently. Behaves violently. Has that now become a riot? And before you answer, here's where I'm going. To me, there's so much confirmation bias that goes on. So if you're an anti-protest kind of person and you're watching a peaceful protest, you're waiting almost for that one person to misbehave. So the second that person misbehaves, there could be a thousand people in that protest and one bad apple. And you're going to say to yourself, yep, see, there it is. 
See, see, this is the problem, right? You've got people that are out of control, not one person. It's the problem of everybody. So when in your mind does a peaceful act become a riot? And, and when do you start associating the behaviors of some and, and label them of the behaviors of all? Well, unfortunately, it's immediately. When, when you put others in danger by a violent act, then it is no longer a protest or a peaceful assembly, as the law says. It is a demonstration of violence, and it needs to be put down immediately. Best is to have the other peaceful assemblers put down the violence maker. And that has been going on. But unfortunately, peaceful demonstrators tend to be meek. And those people who demonstrate violently tend to be a lot less than meek. So I hope that answers your question. Well, so, so, so it does. And so one of the things I want to get right out in the open on today's show are a handful of the reasons we feel the need to label and, and, and do that. And one of them, which, is, which goes under the radar a lot, is because it makes us feel better of ourselves that when we label other people, we're also reinforcing that we're not like that. So it makes us pump ourselves up and influence ourselves. So I'll give you a great example. Um, so we know, we know when it comes to behavior of adult men and women around sex, that we know that when women have a lot of sexual partners, they're labeled a slut. And when men have a lot of sexual partners, they're labeled a stud. Well, the duplicity in our society um, goes well beyond the sexual tensions of our culture. <laughs> it, uh, it, it can rear its ugly head in the church. It can, it, it can present itself more often in the church parking lot. Um, you know, I, I, like, for instance, you go to church on Sunday, whether it's a temple or a Christian or even Islamic. You go in and everybody's inside praying for each other and doing all the things that they can to make each other successful. And you get out in the parking lot and they're trying to kill each other to get out of the parking lot right after mass. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it, it, that kind of duplicity is present in many levels of our society. It's true. The point I'm making, though, is that when you judge someone else, because labels to me all stem from value judgments. So when you judge someone else and call a, a woman a slut because your perception of her sexual partners is not something you would quote unquote do, then you've now made a value judgment. And not only have you made that value judgment, but you've labeled her entire persona a certain way. And it, 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 it gets in the way, it prevents your ability to see the person as a whole. Because once you make that value judgment, you can't see anything else about that person because you put them in a category and label them. Well, well, to a certain extent, I agree with you. And you know how I always agree with you, Mark. <laughs> but perception and judgment are all part of being human. And I, I, I don't want to compare uh, the reputation a woman gets. So I'm going to convert it a little here. Okay. The same thing has happened with the Internet. 
A lot of people think the Internet's cheap and not reliable and not really a good resource. When in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's amazing, the Internet. It's like having a library in your pocket. But because of some of the things that are portrayed on the Internet, it has gotten a bad reputation. And just like that gal in high school, nobody wants to go out with her. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand. I guess I, I'm just I'm in a different thought process here because because where I'm going really today about labels is, you know, you, you talk about it's human to do that. And I agree. I mean, so many of our flaws and characteristics and how we exhibit behaviors and habits are because we're human and we're flawed. And I agree. But they also protect us. Well, exactly. So and that's what the show is about today. It's about our need to make those judgments and put those labels so we're protected and so we're hurt. And so we and and, and when Ted talks about protection, <coughs> excuse me, when Ted talks about protection, it's protection to not guess wrong. Because once you put yourself out there and expose yourself for being open-minded and having a growth mindset and maybe accepting a person as a whole, then you really open yourself up to being hurt. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. If you have someone that has wronged you, okay, or someone has disappointed you or wronged you in a certain way, and then you feel like you, you characterize them as not having great integrity or not having great follow-through or whatever they did to wrong you, the second you make that decision to give them a second chance, you're opening yourself up to get burned again. And it's so risky because the initial reaction you tell yourself when that happens is, I'm, I'm stupid, I'm gullible. Why did I let myself walk into that? Why did I open myself up you know, to something um, that, I, that I, I, I had evidence that wasn't going to work? I have, I, have, I have to tell you, Ted, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and the phraseology she used when you open yourself up like this, it's like going to the hardware store to get bread. Yeah, absolutely. You know? great, great analogy. Right? Yeah. And so, so here's where we're at. Why do, we, why do we give ourselves labels, right? It's to protect ourselves. It's to make ourselves feel better that we're not like that person, that we're in better at that person. But, you know, going back to the aspect of police officers and protesters, you know, there, there are certain police officers that are bad people and there are certain protesters that turn into rioters and looters that are bad people. But we can't have, feel like compelled to have to take a side because it's so divisive. Taking those sides and putting on labels creates such divisiveness and really, really uh, interferes with our ability to come together as people. And I'm not talking about just from the world or country level. I'm talking about even an individual relationship level. And, and, and going back, you know, one other point I want to mention is um, when you call someone a nerd or when you call someone a geek or a jock or whatever you're going to call them, by assigning a certain group of characteristics, and by the way, uh, terms like jock or nerd or geek or anything, there is a stereotypical set of characteristics that go with those, but you, you can easily argue that even all of those characteristics probably don't apply even to that label. Yeah, it's all just 
fodder for the imagination. And if people can't make up their own mind, then we've created these labels so that people can make their way through high school. Absolutely. And, but and, you, you got to think when you get out of high school, you got to start thinking for yourself. Well, you do. And 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 I I even see that in the case of what I was talking about before about being a nerd or a jock, I even see the fact that if I don't consider myself that smart, then, oh, they're a nerd, right? Because I'm going to put them down because I can't be that. And the same thing for being an athlete. So, you know, as we get into the show today, um, I, I, we're going to explore different aspects of labeling. And when we come back from our first break, I just recently watched, I'm a big sports fan, as, as most of you know, and... Um, the movie Friday Night Lights, I had never watched, and I recently watched it. And when I come back, I want to share a very brief anecdote about there was a very compelling scene in Friday Night Lights about labels. So we'll be back. If you'd like to call on the show, it's 508-871-7000. This is Mark Altman for I Communicate. We'll be back after the break. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome back to I Communicate. Happy to have you back. And, you know, I want to pick up where we left off. We were talking about uh, the cost of labeling. And, you know, one of the things the labeling does is it gives us a false sense of, of familiarity towards some things that are new and unprecedented. And why that's important is because One of the best pieces of advice I've ever received, which I've imparted on a lot of people, is a a way to be emotionally intelligent is to be curious and to not assume reactions and assume what people's intentions are. So when it comes to labeling, see, the second you start putting that label on someone, you stop being curious and stop wanting to get to know them better and stop having the ability to understand other aspects of their personality. Now, We've been talking about labeling others, and now I want to transition a little bit into talking about labeling yourself and the cost of labeling yourself. And so I was talking about the movie Friday Night Lights, and there was a, there's a dynamic in the movie with a father and son where the father throughout the movie is basically saying to his son, um, all you have is football. Like, that's really all you're good at. That's the only way you're going to make it in the world, and all you have is football. And one of the things that parents uh, really miss and struggle often is the labels they give their kids. Because if you, that father in that movie, when, when he's sending the message to his son that that's all you bring to the table is football, that kid for the rest of his life is going to feel inferior and not know what his value is and not know why he's a special person. Now, that may seem like an obvious example but these labels from a, from a leadership or a parenting perspective work both ways. You know, I was given the label growing up by my parents that I was a, a people person and I was very relationship oriented, which is they meant it as a compliment. It was a nice thing. But that's how I grew my self-esteem and confidence. Like that's that's that was the feedback I kept getting. And the problem with that is where that is true. And I do enjoy love people and helping people. There's a lot of other things I bring to the table. We hear, we hear women in the workplace often saying that the first thing people notice about them is they're beautiful. The first thing that's acknowledged about women is their beauty. 
And I've heard a lot of women say, thank you, but there's a lot more to me than just the fact that I'm beautiful. But you can't see that if that's where the focus is and that's where they're getting the feedback. And see, the problem is, when we use terms like fat or slow or lazy or things like that to describe people in our lives, people that we manage, again, as a parent or a leader, what actually happens is people start to live up to those labels. So if you tell someone they're lazy, if I was to say to my 13-year-old son, geez, you're awfully lazy, well then, if he hears it enough, frankly, it could be if he hears it once, but he hears it enough, he might start to think, all right, well, if I'm lazy, then I might as well just fulfill what you think I already am because I'm lazy. And so the way we recognize people and the way we label them positively or negatively, people will live up to them. And Ted, I have to tell you one of the best lessons I've learned as a human being in the last five, 10 years of my life is I had such little faith in people in my previous life that my attitude was when it came to recognizing people or complimenting people, my attitude was, I'm not going to give them a lot of compliments because they're going to get complacent. And if, I, if the second I start, so, you know, it's like if, if someone starts to lose weight and they have trouble with their weight and I say, wow, you're doing a great job, that translated to, okay, well, good, I'm all set now because I got the compliment. And I realized it's completely the opposite. And that if you recognize people for the progress and the milestones and the accomplishments I have, it's much easier to not only form new habits, but to shed old labels. So it's really important, this example in Friday Night Lights, it cements assumptions. The second you are told you are a certain way, it cements assumptions and you start to even look for examples to actually not question why they may be wrong. You're more inclined to suggest why they may be right. And that's a problem. Now, what's funny about this is I, I realized something that when I was a kid and I was in high school, I also realized that I didn't like to be part of any groups. You know, I like to be independent. And I was class president, but I didn't, I actually, maybe it was the political side of me, I don't know, but I actually became very neutral and went out of my way to not be in groups. And I realized as I've gotten older that part of the reason I made that decision is because whatever groups I would have been inclined, like let's say I wanted to join student council. I would say, no, I don't want to do that because there's certain perceptions around people who are student council and that's not me. Or let's say I wanted to be, you know, be a full-time basketball player. Well, I don't want the judgment around athlete and commitment and whatever. So I realized that that's, that's what was really going on. I didn't want to be associated with the judgment, as Ted was talking about earlier, the judgment and perception that goes with being in those groups. And the most polarizing example of this that we face every day to day is, and this brings us full circle, is Democrats and Republicans. And I firmly, firmly say all the time with a badge of honor, don't ever associate with me with being a Democrat or Republican. I am independent. I am loud, hear me roar, I'm an independent. And the problem is, and we see this, in, listen, as Ted and I have talked about on the show before, 
I detest politics. So believe me, we're not going down a political path here by any stretch. But the point I'm making is Donald Trump, if you look at Donald Trump, and if you know someone that likes Donald Trump and you don't like Donald Trump, you've already made about a dozen value judgments about that person right out of the gate. And you label that person because they like Donald Trump. And the real question is, is it, does it bother you because of who you perceive Donald Trump to be the person? Does it bother you because he's a Republican? Or does it bother you with something else altogether? But the fact of the matter is, if you are a Democrat, I'll bet you a million dollars that you don't agree with every position Democrats have. And if you're a Republican, it's the same. But we want to be a label. We want to call people a label. We have to fit in. We want to be included. It's one of the greatest human needs is to be included and feel like you fit in. But it just makes no sense. It makes sense why. Two minutes. Makes sense why, but it doesn't make sense to embrace it is my point. We don't want to embrace these concepts. And, you know, the last point on this topic I want to bring up, you know, I talked about Democratic and Republican. We'll come back to that in our next segment. But my famous, my most famous example of this, it's my biggest pet peeve, are the labels of introverted and extroverted, right? Because if you're extroverted, you're wonderful. You're gregarious. You're great with people. You're, you're, it's always positive. If you're introverted, oh, yeah, he's introverted. She's introverted. Uh, hmm. Not he or she is introverted. They're thoughtful. They, they process things at a, a slower speed. They're more mindful. None of that. And so, again, the label, they're extroverted and introverted. And I can tell you that when you grow up with that label and you are given that label at a very early age, how many people do you know that, that were labeled as introverted when they grew up and magically became extroverted when they became an adult? Not many. Because that's a tough label to shed and it's been ingrained and cemented that that's who you are. So... Look, when we come back for our third segment, we're going to get more into how these labels impact relationships with others, how these labels impact yourself and your confidence and your mindset, and why it's important to take some steps to start diagnosing these labels and moving past them and figuring out how truthful they really are. This is Mark Altman for the Mindset Go radio show, I Communicate. We'll be back after the break. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. 
Okay, welcome back to I Communicate. And, you know, what's interesting about labels is that there's, there's some truth, right? There's some truth to certain labels. And what's really important to remember about labels is they are and can be, focus more on the can be, a reasonable reflection of where that person is right now. But it also carries a belief that that behavior that you're noticing that is causing you to label that person is the essence of who they are as a person, right? So if you call someone a bully, do you mean that everything in their life is about being a bully, that they bully everybody, they have bullying bullying tendencies or a certain kind of bullying behavior or act like a bully in certain situations with certain people? So it's really, it's really important that we don't confuse a behavior or a situational example with the essence of who a person is. And I have to tell you, you know, somebody said to me a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to them about labels, and they actually, Ted talked about this in a peripherally earlier in the show, where they were using clergy. And so they said, you know, the funny thing about clergy is we don't even see clergy as human. You know, they're like a higher level person. So when right, the ancient ethereal thing, totally right. And so when we see clergy act in ways that we're not used to, or we're surprised, and I'm not talking about illegal ways or well, things like the that. Human behavior, human behavior. Then it's like stun shock because we've already labeled clergy in a way like, well, they wouldn't have emotion, they wouldn't have this, they wouldn't have that because they're clergy. They're, they're not supposed to. You know, uh, speaking of clergy, actually the nuns, I'm, I'm old enough to have grown up with nuns as my teachers. And whenever we'd get into these contests of name calling and labeling, they would step in and say, now listen, you're saying that you don't like the way he behaves or how he said it. You don't hate him. He's not a bully. You're saying that what he did was a bullying thing. That's fabulous. Yeah, and, and Ted, that's that's a perfect segue to the point I was just going to make. It's such a great point because, so this this teacher friend of mine, she said one of the points she made is she said, you know, I actually, and and, and this is under the guise Ted of contagiousness of labeling, and so what she said is she about two years ago in her career she stopped going to the teachers' room for lunch because in her district. She found that all the teachers were doing were gossiping and telling stories about the kids, and she didn't want to be impacted and label students and judge other students by what she was hearing. It is infectious. There right? is no question about it. When people get into that gossip name-calling thing, it just goes off geometrically. It really does. And so, you know, I we, we've talked on the show in the past about making decisions to surround yourself people surround yourself with people in your life that are positive and supportive and happy and we've also talked about that's easier said than done but when she told me she's actually taken an assertive act to not expose herself to that kind of feedback and that's 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 a great example now i want to get into start getting into we've been talking about causes and consequences and things like that and i want to give you an example of, you know, for those of you who know me very well, you know I'm all about mindset. And I'm about mindset being um, 
if not the number one predictor, one of the top three predictors for personal and professional success and happiness and strong and growing relationships and all those things. However, I want to give you an example of how you can shift your mindset from labeling a person. This is really what Ted was just talking about. It really fits his example. So let's say you're describing, let's say you're a leader and you're working at a company and you're talking to a peer and you say, oh, I work with the most difficult person. Now stop right there. I work with the most difficult person. Now I'm going to digress before I even finish this thought. I want to tell everybody something. The one thing that I wish we would all as a society take more of a responsibility about is our word choice and what we convey to others and understand how that influences others. Because if you're a leader and you're managing sideways and you're sharing this story, you're influencing how this other person is going to see this person and you have a responsibility around that. I mean, Ted, I, the funny thing is, is I, I always joke around that it's such a quandary when you're in a, in a relationship, in a personal relationship with a significant other. When you're frustrated with that significant other, you have to choose who you share that frustration with and what you say to those people. Because once you influence your family and friends about your significant other, there's no turning back. You've opened right. Pandora's box, right? Right, right. Sort of like... Uh pictures put on the internet it never goes away and in fact when you discuss it with some other you have lit the fuse that's right great great uh simile or analogy there so point being so oh i work with the most difficult person and all you need to do to shift your mindset is change the sentence i work with the most difficult person to i have difficulty with this person It's literally that easy of a shift of word choice. And, you know, we talked about value judgments and belief systems and things like that. And what it actually comes down to is when you say I have difficulty to this person, here is the meaning of that new sentence. Number one, you're owning a role you may have in that relationship that that is causing a difficult interaction. That's number one. Number two, by saying you have difficulty with that person, you're showing emotional intelligence, you're being self-aware, and you're advocating for yourself. Number three, you are actually giving that person an opportunity to see them as a whole. So if you have difficulty with that person, is it you have difficulty with that person because they don't follow directions properly and you have to have repeated conversations about it? Okay, so let's say it's that. So you have difficulty with that person following directions, turning in projects on time, causing conflicts with peers in the department. So level one is I have difficulty with that person. Level two is I have difficulty with that person related to blank. And do you, I mean, do you see, if you're listening to the show, do you see the shift and do you see how it not only changes somebody else's mindset, but it absolutely allows you to see things differently. It creates ownership. It takes away the blame or it minimizes the blame. And let's be honest, I hear it all the time. I have companies calling up and asking, you know, one of our biggest problems is accountability and culture. So if you're in an organization, you're, you're interested in accountability and culture, then removing labels and, and, and you know, one of the biggest things also about labels is 
um, diversity and inclusion. You know, that's, that's becoming more of an issue. And now, by the way, I was on a panel discussion this morning, and I was asked, you know, what do you think is going to be one of the biggest challenges in the near future for the workplace? And I'm going to tell you what it is. It's going to be conflict, and it's going to be sensitivity training. Because there's a lot of people that are going to go to work and they're going to be very rigid about etiquette and about guidelines. And they're going to go to the bathroom while you're in the bathroom and they don't see you wash your hands or they don't see you use hand sanitizer. They're going to run into HR and they're going to be like, this person's not following the rules or guidelines. And people are on edge anyway, right? People have so many stress and fear and anxiety right now to begin with. And when you return in the workplace, people's mindsets are going to be at different spots. People's values are going to be different. And I think that sensitivity and emotional intelligence and conflict, Ted, will never be more important than it is coming up now. I agree with exactly what you're saying. I think we're going to be uh, inundated by not just interpersonal conflicts, but there are going to be conflicts with the government. I mean, you have to look at it from the standpoint of OSHA. OSHA can go into any business now and say, where's your hand sanitizer? Mm. Where, where's your throwaway uh, napkins? Where, you know, why isn't there a sneeze guard here at the uh, front desk? And OSHA is now charged with that responsibility if you look at the, the way the reopening plans were, were spelled out by the federal government. That's a great example, Ted. And, I, and I've actually, not only is that a great example, I, even I was getting a haircut the other day, and they were so like, we don't want to have someone come in, and they're going to be super picky and whatever. So I think that's spot on. Now, one more thing I want to cover about this difficult uh, conversation intelligence path we're talking about right now. Now, let's, let's talk about one of the primary functional roles of leadership, which is coaching, performance management, performance coaching, performance reviews, all this, this bucket, right? So when you have to give someone feedback, watch again the difference in word choice. You're talking to someone and in context you say, you know, you've been kind of difficult lately or something along those lines. Or you can say, I've been having some difficulty trying to understand you or it's been difficult working with you. Specifically, here's where I'm struggling. And again, word choice, your word choice, I mean, there's so many aspects to, co- to communication. And frankly, one of my frustrations around this is people talk about body language as 93% of communication, and maybe it is, but I'll tell you what, don't sleep on that other 7% because... <laughs> yeah, you'll be out of luck. You'll be out of luck. I mean, word choice, tone, I mean, that's everything. Can, can, can I um, just Please. jump in here? Because Please. You, you, you're making a very good point, and it really is similar to humor in the workplace. Years ago, you could get away with anything, and people didn't like it. They told you, and then you'd get past it. That's not the case anymore. People will go to HR, and they'll complain to their boss about you, or you know, it gets to be a problem. The only kind of humor that is acceptable in the workplace is self-deprecating humor where you speak about yourself and make the humorous part be about you. And in effect, that's being mindful in work today, that if you're going to say something, you have to make it about yourself and then be 
expecting questions. Like, whoa, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, and as long as it's about you, like what you just said, if you're having an interview with one of your employees and you say, you know, you're a difficult person to deal with, as opposed to, I'm having difficulty understanding you. Yeah. I, that Boy, that self-deprecating humor thought, Ted, is really something I never thought. You're right. And I never really looked at it like that. So that's that's pretty fabulous. Um, so, so look, you know, we're going to head into our final segment. And so, look, as my name is Mark Altman, and I founded Mindset Go, you know, for the purpose of helping people forge stronger relationships, communicate more effectively, grow personally and professionally. So if you want to call me, call me in my direct line, 978-793-1159. You want to email me at maltman at mindsetgo.com. You could call me. You can ask me about labels, how they're impacting your confidence, how they're impacting your personal and professional growth relationships, anything related to communication that you think is holding you back and struggling, reach out. Happy to help. Happy to talk. More than ever, I want to pay it forward and support people, whether you're a company or an individual or whatever. So we will be back for our final segment when we talk about how to create buckets of strength. I'm Mark Altman. We'll be right back. Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Okay, welcome back for our final segment. And, you know, what I want to mention is something a little funny. Um, You know, I talked about how I've avoided being part of groups, but that doesn't apply to everything in my life. And I remember uh, when I was in my 20s, when online dating was less normal and acceptable, and I was doing online dating, you know, it was taboo to say, you know, well, how did you meet so-and-so? Oh, well, it was real quietly. Oh, it was online dating. And I remember I took the total opposite approach. I embraced the label. And I felt like saying, you know something? I'm a leader. You know, if you if you want to make judgments, knock yourself out because I'm fully confident that I think this is a good approach and a good way to meet people. So it actually can use, be used in that way as well. But where I want to finish the show is today is creating buckets of strength. And I'm a big believer in... Um, giving people tools, right? Because people's time is valuable. And it's one thing to understand that it's a problem. It's an understand, another thing to understand why it's a problem. But I want you to know what you can do about it. All right. So what I want you to do is I'm challenging you all to do an exercise. And what I really am asking you to do is what are the labels? Think of the labels in your life that you have given yourself that have created a fixed mindset I'm not good at fixing things. I'm not good at sports. I'm not good at karaoke and singing. It could be the the multitude. What are the labels you've given yourself? What are the labels you had teachers and parents give you growing up that have kind of shaped who you are today? And, and make a list. Make a list of, you know, five to ten labels that that you're pretty self-aware of. And then I want you to turn them on their head. I want you to see if you can identify any themes or commonalities. And ask yourself, what do they mean? So, for instance, if one of the things you write down on that list is you've been told that you're lazy, this is how I want you to do this exercise. I want you to define the word lazy. 
I want you to identify the characteristics associated with the word lazy. Make a list of those characteristics and then look at that list and say, well, wait, I'm not that. I, I can be that way. And, and you know what you'll find out? As you look at each characteristic, you'll say, not only I'm not that, but you may say, well, I am that sometimes. Because just like extroverted and introverted, we all have various aspects of being extroverted and introverted. No one's 100% either way. Just like no one's 100% lazy or, or no one's 100% driven. So this is the exercise, right? Identify the labels you've given yourself and others have given you. Define them. Put the characteristics that you would personally associate with those labels. See what characteristics resonate with you. And then you can actually do, after you do that, you can do what I call a deconstruction or a root cause exercise. And you can ask yourself three very simple questions. And one of the things that I know Ted and I are huge fans of and we've talked about on the show is this is where emotional intelligence really comes into play because self-awareness is such a valuable tool to grow and progress and move forward. So these are the three questions you ask yourself during this deconstruction root cause activity. Number one, why did you or someone else give you that label? So if you've been considered non-athletic, did someone see that you weren't all that interested in sports when you were a kid and just said, well, I guess they're not very athletic? Has someone seen you play baseball and drop 10 straight fly balls? And let me, I don't want to confuse, baseball's not really athletic to begin with, but that's thats for another show. Um, and and so, so what's the root cause of where you earned this label? And then ask yourself, well, wait a minute. Why did someone say that? Like, did I deserve that? Like, did I really demonstrate and exhibit that label? So that's question number one. Number two, this is going to be the toughest part of this whole thing. How has that label impacted your life? And that's where very often you're going to need a coach or a support system to help you discover that. Because the likelihood you can walk walk yourself through an exercise and know all that. But if, again, we talked about how these, uh, these labels cement beliefs and assumptions So if you've been told you're not smart, then the way it may have impacted your life is you maybe didn't try as hard in school because why bother? I'm not smart anyway. And then when you went to work and you got a job, maybe your effort level and work ethic wasn't that strong because it stemmed from you not trying in school because it stemmed from you not being smart. So there's a whole uh, path that can be identified in how your life has been shaped by these labels. And then the third thing is, and this is a fun one, when you look at that list of original labels, have you moved past or overcome any of the labels that you had on your list? And did it happen organically where you just evolved as a person and you were able to move past that label? Or did you use it as a tool for proving people wrong? Like you were given this label as slow or not smart or lazy, and you kind of took it as, I'll show them. I'm sick of being called that. I'm tired. Maybe used it as a motivational tool. But either way, it would be interesting if you found out, were you able to move past or overcome any labels, and then to figure out how. Because if you can become in touch with how you overcame that label, 
you might also form a little uh, uh, playbook on how to overcome other labels that you now might be self-aware that you want to move past and overcome. And, you know, one of the prime examples of labels is failure. I'm a failure. And so when you are told you are a failure or you are C, you failed, that seeps into many other aspects of your life or can and does and often does seep into every aspect of your life. And in the same example I gave before of defining the characteristics of lazy, you know, define the characteristics of failure. So if you're a failure, if you've just failed at something and you want to put that big overarching label of failure on yourself, based on what? How many times have you tried to do anything in your life? And how many times have you been successful? And how many times have you failed? So this is where the emotional intelligence comes in. Just, if nothing else, by having the wherewithal to challenge your own assumptions, to challenge your own thought patterns that have been ingrained in you for years, this is what will allow you to grow. And by simply understanding how labels impact your life, and by the way, you know, final thought is this. That does not even talk about how your labels of other people have impacted relationships and interfered and and, and encouraged you and motivated you to shy away from certain relationships in your life. So not only understand how those labels have impacted you in your behaviors and your habits and your confidence and your motivation, look at it as how those same characteristics have impacted your willingness to form really deep, meaningful relationships. So take the buckets of strength, try to improve them, you know, pool your skills, your characteristics, your behaviors, channel them into positive action, become aware, discuss the assumptions, find people you love and respect, coaches, parents, significant others, siblings, eradicate these false assumptions in cemented fixed mindsets and move past them. So, We're going to continue to talk about labels. It's such a huge aspect of human communication and leadership. Very grateful for you to be on the for you to listen to the show today. Again, my name is Mark Altman. This is I Communicate. You need anything from me for support? uh, 978-793-1159 or maltman at mindsetgo.com. You can find us on the internet. We also have a website where we do private coaching and support for families and teachers and and kids called mindsetgrow.org. Let me know what you need. Ted, as usual, you're the man. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Mark. And uh, we'll see you next week.